You're listening to Age of Reason, brought to you by Frozen Frame Productions. Will we ever understand this complex genius, this visionary thinker? Will we ever get this close again? Uniting the forces of our universe. Hey everyone and welcome to another exciting episode of Age of Reason. My name is JC and today I'm doing the last episode of this season. So today I'm going to be finishing that very ultra long article I started two weeks ago about how conservative obstruct climate change policies and why they're doing it and it delves deeper into psychology and stuff like that. So I just want to mention to people that I don't do this because I enjoy, you know, kind of uh, cursing at conservatives or pointing out their ridiculous platforms. Uh, I don't also do the same for theists, for that matter. I don't enjoy doing this, okay? I wish we lived in a better world because perfect doesn't exist. can always make something better, I guess. But if we lived in a better world, of course, I wish I don't even have to do this type of show. I wish that people were well-educated and well-informed. And if I talk to somebody, then we can talk about facts and evidence. So I always say that if people come to my page, we can argue about um, the heating, for example, that's caused by climate change. And we can argue about whether it's going to be 2 degrees or 1.9 or 1.8 or something like that, Celsius, of course. Uh, however, we cannot argue that it is not happening and that it's a hoax. My page is not for that at all. So if you deny things like that then you know this this is just not for you man just move on to something else so uh, just of course the reminder this was the title of the article I was talking about don't bother waiting for conservatives to come around on climate change and I already did two parts on that the second part just came out yesterday so this is the final part and then I'm off for the summer so the one thing I didn't cover very well in the last show was this uh, st statistic here, this poll that was given, but it's actually very simple. It just means that if you're a hardcore Republican Fox viewer, then you don't believe that climate change is, well, real or it's man-made. I should say man-enhanced because it's not man-made, okay? Uh, but it's definitely enhanced by us for sure. Uh, so only 12% of those people actually believe that. And uh, the other thing is they're extremely concerned about uh, socialism and the Democratic Party. So, of course, socialism for them is a, is a boogeyman word. We know that. So 77% of the people polled here said that they were concerned about socialism and the Democratic Party. It says a lot. Only 6% of Democrats are. That tells you it's not just uh, a small difference. Five, three, one degree uh, uh, percent. It's a huge, huge difference. Okay, so as what I said on the last show, we have a huge intellectual divide in our nation right now, and people who go to 
college and do a PhD. Now they're called elitist and boom, that's finished there. It's become an insult. It's become bad to go to university to get a PhD or something like that. Why? Because those people don't respect science or facts or education. Look, I mean, their superhero is this guy Ben Shapiro. And if you read his rational wiki, in the first sentence, it pretty much says that he doesn't like education. So there you go. That kind of explains a lot. The US policy has divided uh, into geographic camps, people who live around and associated with people like themselves. So distanced from the other camps, that dialogue becomes difficult. Uh, fascinatingly, as Will Wilkinson at the Niskonsen Center has written, the core dividing line seems to be the population density. So that's interesting for me because I never looked at population density before, but I can see where it's coming from. As you move out from the center cities and population grows more sparse, at a certain level of density, an area flips from blue to red. This holds true across regions of the country. Wild. So they have a graph here, and uh, if you read the description there, it says basically when it drops to 800 people per square mile, that's where the red flips to blue. So I just want to give my own opinion here where it's coming from. I think it makes sense because if you live in an area, uh, you live in almost a hermit-style existence. I can see how you can be isolated and just, you know, kind of fall into uh, the, the trap of uh, being in that very tiny bubble of information. And uh, like farmers, for example, they, you know, they live very remote, remotely from other people in general. So, but if you're a farmer, though, you have to know climate change. You have to understand it because your crops and your actually survival uh, depends on your knowledge of climate change. So if you can't predict what's going to happen next year, and if you can't draw any conclusions of from what happened this year, you have no chance of being a successful farmer in the future. So the population density, that's an interesting one. I never saw that before. So they're talking about the big five personality traits to identify uh, people and their categories. There are so five categories, openness to experience, inventive, curious versus consistent and cautious. So you have to be careful here because as people, we might fall into everything actually. So I'll talk about myself here. Well, I would definitely say that I'm inventive uh, and definitely curious, but I can be consistent and cautious. It depends on the situation, really. Uh, cons conscientiousness. So. Uh, efficient, organized versus easygoing and careless. Well, again, I can be both, really. But I tend to be more efficient and organized, definitely. Uh, extroversion. So are you outgoing, energetic, or are you solitary and reserved? Well, again, in my case, I'm both. Uh, although, actually, I'm not so outgoing, but I can be energetic. Uh, I tend to be more solitary and reserved, but it does depend on the situation. Um, agreeableness, that's that's what it was. So are you friendly and compassionate or are you challenging and detached? Again, I fall into both. 
And finally, neuroticism. Uh, are you sensitive and nervous or are you secure and confident? Well, you know what they say in science, the more you know, the less confident you are, I think. That's what they say. Uh, don't quote me on it, but it's true, though. I mean, it's the, there's a name for that. I forgot. But uh, it, it's, it's the more that you know, the more questions you have. So that's kind of an interesting one, I guess. Anyway, the point is that people might fall into both. So why is it important? It's because one difference that comes up again and again with social scientists have come to see as the core distinction between liberal and conservative temperaments has to do with what psychologists call openness to experience, one of the big five personality traits, which I just covered. To the extent someone scores highly on this trait, they are more likely to be liberal. Well, again, I just... I wanted to talk about myself because that's why I said I often fall into both so I don't really know how they would calculate this in my case for example. This can be simplified even further since that trait is highly correlated with sensitivity to fear. The more sensitive someone is to negative or threatening stimuli, even experiments have found negative stimuli flashed by too fast for the conscious mind to register the more likely that person is to prize order, tidiness, predictability, and routine. In other words, the more sensitive someone is to fear, the less open they are to new experiences, the more they dislike change, and the more likely they are to be a conservative. Uh, so Ezra Klein rounds up some of the growing evidence for this thesis in this post. Uh, again, I have all the links, so please feel free to explore more. There's a reason Obama won on hope and change, while Trump won on going back. Uh, there's a reason America's rapid demographic changes are celebrated on the left and viewed with horror on the right. Um, again, if you watch my past shows, and you should, because I don't want to repeat myself every time. I already did my analysis on Obama. Uh, I'm not a super enthusiastic person about him, okay? Uh, but it's true that he initially won on hope and change, didn't get much of it. Uh, and Trump definitely ran on going back. So, uh, you know, let's go, let's make America great again. Even though, even though that's not even his own catchphrase, because that thing, as far as I know, started with Bush Sr. and uh, Reagan. Yeah, so they had that as part of their campaign. Let's make America great again. Not new, okay? The New America Report takes note of this research and these differences in moral values, citing moral foundations theory, made famous by psychologist Jonathan Haidt. It cites a study out of the Cornell uh, that concludes that while liberal climate hawks are animated by compassion and fairness, the moral foundation of purity, sanctity, and degradation is a potentially useful frame for conservatives. Sure. Well, that's because most conservatives vote for Jesus. Uh, we know that. If a conservative is confused, then if he has to vote or he, she has to vote, uh, that vote is going for Jesus. And that means a Republican candidate because, well, that's what they always say. Even Trump said that he's a, a super-duper Christian, although I really doubt it. I don't see any evidence whatsoever of that. I think Pence is, yeah, Mike Pence is definitely Christian. And it, it can be argued that perhaps 
it is Mike Pence's agenda that is pushed most of the time. Because Trump, let's be honest, what, what is he really doing? He's just on Twitter all the time and he's watching Fox News. So as far as governing is concerned and making the laws, I don't think he's too familiar with that stuff. So I think Pence has more power than, than we credit him for. Uh, it also cites a study out of the University of Cologne that found that conservatives are more responsive to climate messages rooted in the past, while liberals were more responsive to forward-looking climate change messages. Yeah, those damn pesky Germans, them with their evidence, University of Cologne. This is more or less what you expect. Those who fear change, prize order, and pine for an imagined past without all the troubling present-day changes, i.e. conservatives, will be more open to messages emphasizing the maintenance of purity and glories of the past. Well, again, I don't really know what they're talking about because I hear this conservative say, hey, we have to make America great again. Let's go back to the good old days. And what does that mean exactly, the good old days? Does it mean the 50s when there was segregation, women couldn't vote, uh, the jobs weren't shipped out uh, at the time? That at least, it was somewhat prosperous, but the social conditions were not okay. And of course, today you can't go back to these days because of globalization. You can't stop certain things from happening. So you do have to compete with China and, and Japan and Mexico. Um, there are people who are going to build plants there and pay people less and people are going to work for less in those countries. If you bring those jobs back to the States, you those corporations would have to pay a pretty good wage and they don't they just want to do it. They just don't want to do that. They Because it's uh, capitalism taken to the extreme, uh, they want to make as, as much profit as possible. So if it involves laying off American workers and hiring cheaper labor force from Mexico or China, they're absolutely going to do that, 100%. The New America researchers conclude, as many climate, climate advocates have over the years, well, okay, climate hawks need to craft climate messages that appeal to those values. So that's what I said in the last show. So people who are well-informed, well-educated, know the facts, know the science, they have to dumb down their message to even communicate with those people. That's a sad state of affairs. But hold on, maybe the facts of climate change can't be squeezed into just any values frame we like. Maybe global warming is not uh, indefinitely malleable. Maybe it has a certain intrinsic character. The tragic but inescapable fact at the core of climate change is that we are in an era of loss. Uh, yes, I pointed that out again. You have to get your ass out of the United States and explore the world. You can't pretend to know the world if you've never ever traveled outside of the country. And as I mentioned last show, going to Canada or Mexico doesn't really count. Yeah, sure, you ex you'll see some culture, especially in Mexico. But that doesn't really count as exploration. So you, you have to go to South America, Europe, Africa, Asia, and, you know, talk to people there. Don't just go to those countries and get drunk at the bar. Because I know people like that. I know people who 
for example, from, from the UK, they go to Spain and then uh, they are very proud to share pictures of them eating at McDonald's. That is not the way to travel, okay? You spent, you made a lot of effort. You booked the hotel, you booked the plane, you went to the airport. Look, I know this because I've traveled all the time in my life. It's a complicated thing to do, not easy. It's, at first, it doesn't seem like it's worth doing it. So much effort and you have to pack and etc. etc. And then you, what? For what? You go somewhere and just to go to McDonald's or just to sit at a bar and get drunk, you can sit at a bar at home and get drunk. That is not why you travel. You travel to meet other people, to exchange ideas, to, to experience a clash of culture. That's why you travel. Not to go sit at a bar and get drunk again. You can do that at home. So we are in an era of loss. Yes, we are. And uh, uh, that was an article a couple of months ago, I guess. I said that just in my lifetime, basically in the last 30 years, 30, okay, I, I should say probably 50 years. Okay, so in the last 50 years, we've lost about 60% of animal species. If that doesn't point to an extinction, I really don't know what else will. The stable, and I'm not happy about it, okay? I'm not proud to say that. I'm. Uh, th this is a horrifying statistic, okay? We should all be concerned and worried about it, and the news should be covering it more. They don't, and that's why shows like mine exist. The stable weather patterns, fertile soil, and biodiversity enjoyed by our ancestors, the biophysical status quo, is going away, whether we like it or not. It's too late to save it. The period ahead for the species is one of rapid change. There will be rapid changes in weather, agriculture, settlement patterns, migration, and conflict due to global warming. There will also, one hopes, uh, be rapid changes in the way humans structure and power the civilizations, shifting to a model that does not produce greenhouse gases. If those latter changes don't take place, the former changes will be even more rapid, terrible, and endless. Well, look, we already see that. And you know what? Look, uh, you, you are free to deny science. You are free to say that the data is manipulated. Uh, but then please show me your data. Uh, because if, if I see the data that people offer me sometimes, then I see that it's cherry-picked. They just pick 10 years or something when there's no apparent warming and they say, well, look at this. We have we had a decade of no warming. So that proves that climate change is a hoax. That is a ridiculous argument. How old are you? Five? I mean, I want to argue with adults here, not not children. That's even an insult to children because I think even they can understand better than you what's happening. So, um, yeah, well, you have to look at the countries. So. I measure temperatures outside here, so I'm not I'm not a scientist. I'm an amateur. That's perhaps the most I can qualify as. Uh, I noticed that, so I have about three years of records right now, and this May, there was one day in May that was the hottest I have on record. And in fact, May averaged was the hottest May I have over these past three years. So again, look, you're free to say that I manipulate the data, I create the data, my equipment is not precise enough. Well, you'd be right about there. 
but uh, that's what's happening. You can do these experiments by yourself. So some areas in the world are expected to have a faster rate of heating than others. Japan is in the extreme category. Okay, so that's why I know that I can already see these increases. So here we have a picture, and uh, so the p uh, pure mythic myth mythic past conserved this price. It is gone, receding even further in the rearview mirror. We already made that decision with our inaction. Certainly true. Uh, we have a picture here of bleaching of corals, which is a huge issue, of course, because uh, a lot of communities depend on coral reefs. Uh, coral reefs are a certain environment. There are fish that live there. Uh, if the coral reefs die, then the fish die, or the fish has to move away. Well, the fish either has to be exterminated or move away if they're able to consume other sources of food, which is pretty complicated. And uh, again, this is happening because of rising sea temperatures and ocean acidification, both related to CO2 emissions. Okay, and methane gas, gas too, but the heating of the oceans and acidification. Acidification mostly comes from CO2 though, as far as I know anyway. There are two ways to communicate about this to conservatives. You can be honest, which is to say you can't tell them that everything they know is going to change in coming years. And the best we can do is try to stick together and minimize the damage. You can tell them to embrace change, to work with other countries, to try to preserve what is best, even as much else falls away. But that is exactly precisely what they don't want to hear. Alternatively, you can lie to them. You can tell them that the changes are temporary and reversible. If they can't just beat the nefarious liberals, immigrants can be sent home. Coal jobs will come back. The oil and gas spigot can stay open. Hamburgers will be served for every meal. Store clerks will say Merry Christmas, and we can keep ourselves safe building by building walls. That is a very, that is very much what they want to hear. Definitely true. Uh, in the last three years since Trump became president, all of these things have uh, come to the surface. These things always existed, by the way, uh, but Trump emboldened these type of people to, to go online and, and uh, act ultra-nationalistic. What you can't do is promise them that aggressive climate change policy will preserve a pure environment or restore a simpler past. It just won't. It's a lie and not a very convincing one. Certainly not one that will hold up against uh, Fox onslaught. Climate change means change. No amount of framing or messages uh, can get around that. Well, that's certainly true. But I always go back to Chef Ramsay, actually, of all people, and he always says that if in the restaurant business, if you don't embrace change, there is a high percentage that you're going to be screwed within one year. A lot of restaurants fail within the first year of business. So, uh, yeah, because they don't change. They, they, they refuse to change their old ways. They don't change the menu enough. So they, they don't uh, stay up to date of what people want to actually eat in the area. And then it's gone. But change happens no matter whether you want it or not. So if, you, you know, if your restaurant is not successful, somebody who is just waiting behind you is more than happy to take over your place and 
make that bis business successful. The Green New Deal is an attempt to grapple with the issue honestly. It says we're going to go through a huge disruptive transition, but we're going to make sure you have a job and healthcare through it. One of the reasons the right and center left have recoiled from the GND is precisely that. It takes the scale of change seriously. The powers that be don't want to hear that. The resistance to change, that status quo bias, it's one of the strongest forces in human nature. It's, it's concentrated on the right and it's not going anywhere. So this is the long term. And uh, again, if you're interested about the Green New Deal, I had a show about just specifically that. So, for example, they had a figure, uh, some kind of $95 trillion or something like that, some scary figure. That figure, that number was made up, okay? So again, it's a lie, but people believe lies because some people truly live in an alternative reality with alternative facts. But anyway, that number is a lie. Don't, don't let it scare you. Uh, there is no number, actually. That's the reality. We, we don't know what the price is, but the 95 trillion or whatever, that is a completely invented number. So, but it's a very convenient number to, again, instill fear in people. How can I say this? If you go outside of the US, especially in Europe and you know Asia and stuff like that, what is the image of people there of Americans. So right now, of course, there's a lot of mockery because of Trump. So a lot of people mock him and in directly, indirectly, I should say, the people who live in our country as well. So people are not very intelligent, kind of raging blowhards with a limited culture uh, and uh, when it comes to morality, well, again, it depends where you get it from. Because if the, if your morality comes from the Bible, so if you're a Christian in America, then that that is just not compassionate and not based on empathy. So the image of Americans abroad is not very good, to say the least. So the conclusion of the, this article is that the populace needs to be made less conservative. Well, good luck with that. This post has been a whole lot of pessimism, so let me end by at least gesturing in a hopeful direction. The tendency of liberal technocrats and democrats generally is to play it as it lays, to study the temperament and opinions of the public and react to them, accommodate them, appeal to them. As I said earlier, the instinct on the right is to claim them and shape them. So yeah, they will tell you what to think and then you just repeat that. So for example, socialism and conservatives immediately say, well, look at Venezuela and Hitler. Man, you don't understand what it means. You're just parroting. That's what you are. You, you just became a parrot. You're just repeating what someone else told you. And all your research, research, is that tiny bubble of the same people. So Fox News, Breitbart, uh, some other like conservative Facebook pages where immediately, as soon as you say something factual, the, you're called a, a libertard. That, that's their famous uh, attack now, a libertard. 
We know that personality traits can be pretty deeply embedded by early childhood, but we also know that which traits and dispositions are brought to the fore, individually and collectively, depends on circumstances. Crudely speaking, when people feel safe and cared for, they will be more open to extending the circle of care, that is, more liberal. When they feel anxious or threatened, they will be more inclined to draw the circles of care inward, i.e. to become more conservative. And that's also true in Japan, by the way. So uh, there is a certain category of people here who, for example, don't like Koreans or, or Chinese, but it's the same in China, actually. It's the same in, Nor in, in, well, North Korea, North Korea, but South Korea, definitely same, very nationalistic country, in my opinion. I've lived there too, so I know. Uh, there is a tendency where people are afraid of something. They, they shut themselves off and, and they do become more conservative. It becomes more about the kind of very old traditional values like uh, all the foreigners out and, you know, let's make Korea great again or let's make America great again. So, I don't know. It's a dangerous slippery slope really. Right-wing media is a machine for scaring older white people, i.e. for making them more conservative. A whole generation of young people has lost parents, grandparents, aunts, and uncles to the Fox machine. It has dragged the political center to the right and slowed progressive reforms like universal health care that have been in place in other developed democracies for years. It will fight climate change progress to its last breath. Well, that's certainly true. but. I always say, well, first of all, yeah, uh, these people, you know, the Trump supporters or the Republican Party supporters, they're not just like out there. These are people in our families. We, we all have some, some grandfather who is a Republican or, or some aunt, etc. So, and there's no convincing these people. But the other thing I'm thinking is, unfortunately, and that's kind of a fact of nature, uh, you know, blame nature for me, not I blame nature for that, not me. Uh, when you become old, you, you have some issues. So not all people, of course, but some people get dementia, etc. When, you, when you're older, you become more prone to that. And then these people are still allowed to vote. These people are still allowed to drive, which is a huge hazard, of course. So I'm thinking there should be some kind of test for, for people... Uh, well, okay, for driving, definitely should be a test often. Uh, you know, if you want to drive, that's fine, but you, you, you might have some issues that you might be a public danger to other people. So yeah, you have to have checks, man. Uh, and for voting, I think it's the same thing. We, we should all have some kind of very basic qualification test, you know, so that our policies... Our policies should not be shaped by Christianity anyway, in, in any fashion, because we have a separation of state and church. We say that, but in practice, it's not really there. The, the wall is often break, uh, broken. So, yeah, there should be some kind of litmus test for, for voting. If climate uh, hawks want the American people to take a more open, proactive, positive sum attitude towards the inevitable changes that lie ahead, they need to think not just about how to appeal to public sentiment as it exists, but how to change it, how to make people more open to change, how to make them more liberal. Well, again, good luck with that.
It won't be done through messaging, no matter how clever. It can only be done through power, the power to create institutions, ideologies, narratives, and norms that make people safe and cared for. When people feel safe, they feel more ready to launch into a national transformation. And they don't feel safe in the precarious conditions that American capitalism imposes on them. When they are one lost job or health problem away from disaster. Well, that's certainly true. We have a lot of people in our country right now that live paycheck to paycheck. And uh, they're afraid to change the job because uh, for that one or two months in the transfer period, uh, they would basically lose coverage. And God forbid that they get sick in that time. And of course, you know, some people have children, etc. So they, they need to take care of them as well. And, uh, well, look, I don't want to jump into a criticism of capitalism in this show in particular, but we all know what it does. It creates a, a very small pocket of very rich people at the very top. Um, and then, as a, as a result of that, it creates a very large group of people at the bottom who are basically, well, today we call them the working poor. That's what they are. Again, living paycheck to paycheck, uh, I I see so many people commenting about that. My paycheck just came in, but I had to spend it all on my fuel and uh, rent. And people, a lot of people live in that condition, and that is just not the way to go forward. So, yeah, we have to fix that. We have to fix these type of issues first. But universal healthcare, for example, it will go a long way to fixing that. So. Definitely, that's one to look out for. Look forward to, I should say. Yeah. Even if it eventually finds some assistance from within the GOP, the drive to address climate change is ultimately a liberal project. It's about drawing together in cosmopolitan global unity as a species, thinking in long term, non some zero terms, sacrificing for and helping one another, and having the confidence and curiosity to embrace change, to experiment and learn and adapt on the fly. Those are all the features of the climate project that draws on liberal personality traits. If climate hawks ever want to change the maddening gridlocked political status quo in the US, they need to start thinking about how to bring those traits to the surface. And that's the end of uh, this article, finally. Wow, three shows to do it. Um, just a quick uh, reaction here. So I just wanted to say actually, yeah, Climate change is actually a very exciting topic, okay? It's not just about the temperature getting higher. That, that is just one layer of, of it. Uh, it involves climatology. It, I, I guess it involves even geology to a certain extent. Uh, it involves, you know, looking at climate, well, climatology, I already said that, ocean studies you have to analyze the currents and uh, you know where the acidification is happening so you can react there it desertification when where the deserts are advancing etc etc agricultural patterns rain patterns oh my gosh it just keeps going there are so so many things climate change is just an umbrella term for all of that and it's fascinating really it's it's really nothing to to shun, shy away from it's embrace it. It's so many fields to study and you should always study every day of your life. In my 
you know, the way that I live my life, I say that if I don't learn something new every day, then I kind of wasted my day. It's just not worth it. Uh, so try to fill your life with knowledge. Knowledge is the key to so many things. If people are super interested in climate change, then I recommend going, uh, getting a, going to edX and checking out the uh, Denial 101X course. It's a great course. Uh, it takes a lot of climate change myths and it debunks them. So you can analyze how actual climate scientists, not some wacko in his basement, uh, debunk certain points. And let's be fair there. These points mostly come, of course, from the fossil fuel industry and the conservatives. But anyway, check it out. It's a great course. It's free. Uh, you can do it. You can watch all the lectures for absolutely free. Uh, you can do the quizzes for fun if you want. Uh, of course, if you want a certificate, you can do that too. But you, you'd have to do, I think, two, at least two peer-reviewed papers. But you'll learn a lot from doing that. So um, anyway, I always encourage people to learn as much as possible. Don't just, you know, parrot what someone else tells you. To, to say we have the same problem in Japan for example in Japan there is a or the main channel is NHK but you know and a lot of people a lot of old people just kind of eat it up but I'm thinking that that is that doesn't make any sense because sometimes their top story of the day is that some car somewhere crashed into an electric post no maybe the driver got killed I don't know but I mean why is that the top story though in the entire uh, entirety of Japan, really nothing else is going on. Uh, I doubt it, and that tells me that they they don't tell you everything. So, and it's in the U.S. That thing is exponentially true. So, anyway, on that note, that's it for this season. I'm oh I'm tired, and I'm gonna take a break. So, I don't know when I'll be back, but it's probably gonna be in September or even October. So we'll see how it goes. Of course, if there's something super urgent, you, you're always welcome to send me a private message. Uh, you can contact me on Twitter, but I don't check Twitter too often. So yeah, just stick to Facebook, I guess. And uh, anyway, just don't stop the learning process. Always keep learning, educate yourself, uh, look at all kinds of different points of views, even if they are crazy, at least you can identify why they are crazy. So on that note, I'm, I wish you a good holiday, I guess, from, from, my, from my part anyway. And so I'll see you next time after the hot summer. Till then.